Good morning, church. Happy anniversary. Oh, man, 10 years. 10 amazing years. It's, uh, gosh, it's, people said it, it doesn't feel like that long, and it doesn't, but I feel like we've squeezed so much life into 10 years. You know what I mean? So many memories and relationships, and we've all just grown so much in different ways. And so I, I'm loving the fact that today we get to join together. And for those that are watching at home, I, got, I hope at least you got donuts at home with you because we got donuts here. So I'm grateful for you as well. You know, I was looking at the number 10 and in the Bible, it means a few things. It means it references the Jews, first of all, um, but then it also represents harmony and wholeness. And I can't think of a time in the history of the Exchange Church where there has been more harmony and wholeness than today in this very moment with the people uh, that are doing life together. Amen. Um, so many, so many exciting times. Carrie, why don't you come up? Let's just address the people. Um, you can talk. Give it up for my wife, Carrie Rose. <laughs> Ten years. Yes. Who was that good-looking, dark-headed guy on the screen from 2010? I, I haven't seen him in a you long have, time. I have not seen him in a long time long either. Time. You know, it, 10 years seems like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like it feels like a short time, but then when I look at the pictures, I'm like, oh no, it's been 10 years. <laughs> it has definitely been 10 years. But um, God has been so faithful, like in the good times, in the not so good times, in the, you know, just really easy times, in the hard times, he has been faithful. And I'm just so blessed and so grateful looking back today. And so, so grateful for all of you. And, and those of you that are online that have been our church family and are still our church family, I just want to make sure that you know that you are not forgotten, that we love you so much and we appreciate you. And we are so grateful for you and so glad that we can still call you family, even though there's been some distance um, in our hearts, there isn't. And we love you so much. And, you know, I, I was thinking about the people that have been here um, from the very beginning, like nine, ten years. If, if you are one of those people, will you stand up just for a moment? If you remember set up and tear down and participating in set <laughs> wow. up and tear down. <laughs> See, this, this is incredible to me. Awesome. Um, this is a rarity. I don't know if you if you realize that you are a rare breed to be able to be in the same church house for 10 years is incredible today yeah. because there's so many places that you can choose from, so many places to go. But when you build your roots deep and you stay when it's really good and you stay when it's really bad, that's incredible because that's where true growth, hap you know, true, true growth happens. Yeah. And I, I am just thrilled for everyone that's been here with us, no matter how long, like you are loved and we're so glad you're here. But when I, when I just take time and I just look and I see who's been here from the very beginning, that just overwhelms and blesses my heart. And I know how easy it is to leave when it, you know, maybe they're not playing the right kind of music you like, or, you know, he's not preaching the right sermon that you want, or you can go and find that somewhere else. I know that, you know, there's churches yeah. everywhere that you can attend and go to, but you choose, you've chosen to stay here and be part of this family. And I just think that's incredible. So you know, we just want to honor you. Hey, I want to say something. When we were, 
we, when the team was doing the video that you saw before service, you can sit down. Um, they came back and made the comment to me of how surprised they were that the people in the videos from years ago were still with us. We, yeah. They were like, we have a high percentage yeah. of these old videos with people that are still with us. And uh, I just wanna say to you, I'm so grateful that you stayed. Like, honestly, from my heart to yours, yeah. that's what family does. Yeah. You know, when we adopted our three kids, we had a conversation with them and we said, we, we don't know what this is all gonna look like, but we're stuck together from here on out. And we all quit a few times, we to did. be honest. We did, we quit, but then we went to sleep and we woke up the next morning and said, okay, we're not gonna quit. We're gonna do this again. <laughs> but that's <laughs> what- Just being honest, right? That's what family does, right? And you stayed. And I'm just so grateful for the staying power that is in this house and, and not to overlook or undervalue those who have been here a shorter time. And maybe this is your very first day. We are incredibly grateful yes. that you're part of our story. Can we just celebrate one another? Give it up for one another. Awesome, thank you, babe. And I also just wanna thank John and Lisa Lyon. They came all the way from Skybreak and College Station to celebrate with us. They are family from long before any of you. And so um, we just honor you guys as well. Thank These you guys here. were on our children's ministry team when Carrie and I were the children's pastors and youth pastors. So they, they could probably tell you some stories before we matured. You won't. <laughs> We've bribed them. So anyway, good to have John and Lisa. Good to have every one of you in the, in the room and online. I have 20 minutes to preach a great sermon, so I need, to, I need to go quick. We're starting a new series. Thank you, Chad. We're starting a new series called Time Hop. Now, if you have social media, you probably see memories that pop up, and it says, this time, one year ago, this time three years ago, this time five years ago. And sometimes you look at those memories and it makes you smile. And sometimes you look at those memories and your stomach goes, oh gosh, I hate time hop. Anyone have any of those experiences? Yeah. And so what I wanna to start today is a series called Time Hop that makes the case that moments change destinies. Moments change destinies. Even that, that thing that you didn't like. I had one this morning, would you believe it, that popped up, went on social media, and I was going to talk about the church, and I had a memory from three years ago, and I thought, thank you, Jesus, that's a memory. <laughs> it's not a current. Can I get an amen from somebody? But every single moment brings you to a place, to the place where you are Today, now when Carrie and I started the church, so today we're talking a little bit of history with the church, uh, but I wanna take you through scripture because I wanna hopefully convince you that moments are connected. No moment lives in isolation. There is nothing that you experience or encounter or do that stands alone in a vacuum. Are you with me, church? That's okay. <laughs> Miss Cheryl's on the front row. She's been here 10 years. She earns the right to be on social media while the preacher's preaching. That's fine. It's fine. Get a good recipe. You can make me dinner tonight, Cheryl. <laughs> I'm just kidding. For those that don't know, she's just sharing the service. It's fine. When we started the church 10 years ago in 2010, uh, 
it was actually two years prior to that in 2008 that Carrie and I knew uh, the time was getting close. And when we started Skybreak Church in 1999, I met Pastor Danny Green and I told him what was on my heart and I felt like I was, Carrie and I were going to launch a church somewhere, someday. We didn't know when, we weren't in a rush. I, I mean, I was in 20, in 1999, how old was I? 23, 24, 25, I, I was young. But I knew what the Lord had placed in my heart. And thankfully, I had a pastor who, who wasn't intimidated by somebody who wanted to grow in ministry. And he gave me opportunity time after time. And John and Lisa got to benefit from the, from, from the graciousness of Pastor Danny extending opportunity to me. And he said, okay, just let me know. And so 2008, we were two years out. I went to him and I said, I think we're getting close. Carrie and I had graduated um, God's University. I mean, Texas A&M University. And we felt like time was getting close. And he said, all right, let's just stay in good communication. In 2009, a year prior to the launch, we went to him. By the way, this is how leaving a church should look like. It should look like lots of communication, lots of um, not, not just showing up at your pastor's door saying, I prayed about it and God told me, bam. And, you know, anyway, we did it right. And I'm thankful that we did it right. Because I've seen throughout the course of the 10 years has, how God has honored our ministry because we started off right. And in 2009, I told him, we've got about a year. And 2010, we came here. We didn't know where we were going to go. We didn't know. I wanted to go to Oregon. Today, I'm thankfully thankful I didn't. I wanted to go to Oregon because it was the most unchurched state at the time. Um, I also considered Colorado because I really love mountains and snow. And I thought that would be a good place. But the Lord had placed Nehemiah on our heart. And of course, we knew the story of Nehemiah, but had really never unpacked it for us. And so we went to Nehemiah and we saw that the Lord wanted us to come to Austin, Texas, because that's where we were originally from. Carrie and I had basically grown up in the Austin metro area. And the story of Nehemiah, if you remember, um, his hometown is destroyed and he goes back to his home to rebuild the city walls. And through that story, we felt like God was telling us we need to come back to our hometown and rebuild the city walls because our city is in, dis in the disarray, right? It's been destroyed. It's been uh, it's in destruction. So I want to take you um, through the course of our thoughts and see how every moment is connected. In 2010, when we started this church, it's connected to Nehemiah. Now, Jerusalem had a city wall around it. And we know from Bible times that a city of significance would have a wall. Any, any city that was prominent would have a wall. And it just said to everyone that, you know, this city is protected. But Nehemiah, who is working for the king, Artaxerxes, actually Artaxerxes, he, he finds out that 150 years has gone by since his hometown has been destroyed and it's not been rebuilt. And Nehemiah knew something very important. Nehemiah understood that Jerusalem was God's city. He knew that. How do we know that Jerusalem is God's city? Let me prove it to you real quick. In 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 6, it says, Yet I have chosen Jerusalem that my name may be there. All right? God has chosen Jerusalem that his name may be there. Let's say it one more time. God has chosen Jerusalem 
that his name may be there. Psalm 132, 13 through 14 says, For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place. How long? Forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. So do we at least agree, church, as Bible scholars sitting here today, that Israel is God's place forever? Okay. Nehemiah thought that as well. And he thought, I have to get back to rebuild the city wall. So, so what did Nehemiah do when he heard about this? Well, we know in Nehemiah chapter 1, it says he fasted, he prayed, he cried. He was somewhat borderline depressed. Like he, he was really upset. And then he goes to the king to get permission to rebuild his hometown. I want us to read that together. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 4 through 5. Then the king, and again, this is King Artaxerxes, said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God in heaven, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. All right, so we have this picture of Nehemiah who finds out his hometown is destroyed. He goes to the king and the king says, yo man, what do you want? And he says, I, I hope that if it pleases the king and I found favor in your sight, that you would send me to my hometown to rebuild it. So we know that that happens and we know that the wall gets built in record time, 52 days, 52 days. Now the king gave him permission um, and it took a very short amount of time, but listen, listen, that very short amount of time was filled with opposition. We have Sambalot, Tobiah, we have the naysayers. There was internal opposition. There was division in the ranks and there was external opposition. King Artaxerxes sent him and it happened clearly. God's hand was on them. In 52 days, the wall was built. Nehemiah faced all kinds of opposition. And I just want to remind us today on our 10-year anniversary that the enemy always wants to bring intimidation and destruction to what the Lord is building. You translate that into the context of your life. I pray that the Spirit of God will give you eyes to see and ears to hear right now. But whatever it is the Lord is wanting to build in your life, the enemy is trying to build intimidation and he's trying to bring destruction to you. How do we know this? First Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, he walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Look at your neighbor and say, not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. He is looking for whom he can devour. That is an absolute fact, but it's not going to happen. He wants to bring destruction according to John 10.10, 10, right? John 10.10 10 tells us that Jesus has come. The thief does not come except to still kill and destroy. Jesus has come that we may have life and have it to the full. What does the enemy come to do? Bring destruction. What has Jesus come to do? Bring life. Okay, okay. So Nehemiah, 
this cat that we built our church on the philosophy of Nehemiah, this guy builds the wall in record number, and then they rebuild the whole infrastructure of the city within 49 years. The city was rebuilt. Moments are connected. Moments are connected. They're not isolated. Now, to understand to understand what Nehemiah might be connected to, you understand how we're kind of connected to Nehemiah? Yeah, our whole church, I mean, really came about the location because the Lord sent us to the book of Nehemiah. So we're connected. Our moment of 2010 is connected to Nehemiah. Can I get a good amen if you understand that? The next question I want to ask is, what is Nehemiah connected to? I mean, let's not stop at Nehemiah. Let's go back a little bit further. And to research who Nehemiah is connected to, I have to take you to 605, 604 B.C. in the book of Daniel. This incredible prophet, Daniel, who, I don't know, he was a student of prophecy. He wasn't just a prophet. He was a student of prophecy. We know that he he was an avid reader of Jeremiah. We know that Daniel has had some of the most profound prophetic voices that we've ever seen, a prophetic voice that we've ever seen before. How is Nehemiah connected to Daniel 9? Let's find out. Turn with me to Daniel 9, verse 25 through 27. Anyone here ever heard of Daniel's 70 weeks? Couple, a couple of us. Okay, you're going to hear about it today. Daniel made a prophecy in Daniel chapter 9. And he proclaimed a season for the Jews of 70 weeks. And we're going to read that prophecy, and I'm going to explain it to you. And I'm going to explain how it's connected to Nehemiah and how it's connected to the Exchange Church in 2020 on this very Sunday. Can we do that? Okay. Daniel makes this prophecy. Chapter 9, verse 25 through 27 says, Know therefore and understand, this is the prophecy, that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Now, if you're taking notes, write all these numbers down. Numbers matter. There's going to be how many weeks? Seven. And how many? There's going to be seven weeks and 62 weeks. What's 62 plus seven? 69. 62 plus 7 is 69. So somewhere we're missing one week. Yeah? All right. Even in troublesome times, I'm sorry, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublesome times. Ooh, this is starting to sound like Nehemiah, building a wall in troublesome times. Verse 26. And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war. Desolations are determined. Verse 27, then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Okay, so we've found the missing week, right? So we've got seven, 62, and one. Can you say it with me? Come on, like you're chanting. Seven, 62, one. What is 7 plus 62 plus 1? 70. Look, you're great in math. All right. He shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, 
But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. And everyone said, Pastor, I have no idea what's going on. You've lost me. I'm going to explain. The thing that we need to understand about Daniel's 70 weeks is he gave it to us in three chunks. Seven, 62, and one. Okay? Daniel also said that this time is a time for the Jews. Yeah? It's God's dealing with the Jews. Now, in this prophetic word, a week, one week equals seven years. One week equals seven years. How many days are in a week? All right, so one week equals seven years in this prophecy. I know you didn't plan to come to Bible prophecy today on Remembrance Sunday, but still, it's gonna be fun. One week equals seven years. So if Daniel's talking about 70 weeks, how many years is that? 70 times seven Come on, church. I gave you the answer. It's okay to cheat. You're like, no, I am going to figure this out myself. 70 weeks is 70 times 7, which equals 490 years. Now, in Daniel, in verse 25... It says there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Remember, I made you chant, and you're like, this is ridiculous. I'm not a kid. Seven weeks, 62 weeks, and then one. Thank you. Why did Daniel break it up like that? Hmm. Well, the reality is that seven weeks would be how many years? If we say seven weeks times seven, 49 years. So the first block is 49 years. What took 49 years? The building of Jerusalem from Nehemiah. So Daniel is prophesying about the time that Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem and he builds the wall and he rebuilds the city. So he's letting us know that there will be 49 years. Then he says 62 weeks. 62 times 7 is what? We have, a, we have it right there for you, 434 years. So the total amount of years, the total amount of years in Daniel's prophecy is 483 years. Now, we're still missing the one week, right? So how many years are we missing that haven't happened yet? We're still missing seven years that haven't happened in Daniel's prophecy, but 483 years have happened now, the question is, was Nehemiah, is he actually, how can we confirm that Nehemiah is tied to the Daniel prophecy? Well, the numbers add up. It's really that simple. Artaxerxes on March 14th of 445 BC commissions Nehemiah to build the wall. Okay, March 14th, 445 BC Artaxerxes tells Nehemiah to build the wall. If we add all of those years that we just added up together, which is 483 years, if we add that, not on the Gregorian calendar, but on the Jewish calendar, on the Hebrew calendar, 483 years, you know where that puts us? 
I mean, what does this prophecy say? What can we expect? Verse 26, after 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. So from the day that Artaxerxes commissions Nehemiah to go and build the wall and reestablish Jerusalem to the very day Jesus rides into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on a colt. This isn't coincidence. 600 years before Christ, it is prophesied to the day that 69 prophetic weeks after it's ordered to be rebuilt, the Messiah will be cut off. Are you following me? To the day. Artaxerxes says it can be rebuilt to the day Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a cult where he shows up and says, hey, listen, Jews, you've missed it. I came here to reveal myself to you and you've missed it. And within the week, he was dead. And then began the church age. The age where we start inviting people to church and hey, come to our 10 year anniversary. We've got donuts and we've got great worship and we've got a great pastor with gray hair. It once was dark, but we got a, a great church and I want you to be a part of this. And we're now in the church age. But what happened to Daniel's week? The final 70th week, where, where is it? When does it start? When does it go? We know that right now God is building his church, but there is a final seven years that God needs to deal with the Jews. He needs to deal with his chosen people. So let's, let me back up and, and take you higher. I'm, I'm wrapping up. We did 69 weeks of Daniel. I hope you understand how we accounted for that by now. The first 49 is the rebuilding of Jerusalem. The rest of the 69 weeks is life as Jews. And then Messiah was cut off. Then there's this gap known as the church age. We know when the next week will start. It tells us in verse 27. Let's read that together. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Who is he? The Antichrist. So there is someone that is against Christ that will confirm a peace agreement with Israel for one week. How long is one week in Daniel's prophetic years? Seven years. There is an Antichrist that will come to power in the final days that will confirm. What does confirm mean? It doesn't mean they established the agreement. Confirm means to strengthen. So the Antichrist, you know, we could, we could assume that at some point, Israel's going to be in peace talks with nations. Probably Arab nations at some point. And the Antichrist is going to come along and he's going to strengthen that agreement. I believe he's going to strengthen that agreement by telling Israel that they can build the temple on the Temple Mount. Okay? So today, as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary, that was spurred, of course, beside the blood of Jesus, 
but the story of Nehemiah, which fulfilled the prophecy or started the prophecy of Daniel. Today on our 10 year anniversary, we are seeing this week a peace agreement between Israel and many nations. On the 15th, on Tuesday in Washington, D.C., there will be a signing between the UAE and America. And we've got Bahrain now joining. I anticipate Saudi Arabia will join. Is it all right if I just talk about this for a moment? I fully expect Saudi Arabia. You know it's really ticking off the Palestinians. We have Arab, primary Arab leaders right now declaring betrayal on behalf of UAE. The, the tensions are insane. Now listen, if you don't believe in God today, just look at Israel. That's a one word answer to believe in God. Israel, the size of New Jersey, has been for thousands of years at the center of the world. Why does that happen? Because I read it to you. God said he wanted that land. And the enemy knows it. Satan knows it. So for generations, he has been trying to get the land, the very land that God said was his. So on our 10th anniversary, we're looking at a peace agreement that's happening. Now, I will tell you right up front, this is not the Daniel 9 peace agreement. It's not. I can absolutely tell you that for sure. Here's how I know. It's not a seven-year agreement. And it, it, uh, that's the primary reason. It's not a seven-year agreement. But here's what I do think. It is the precursor to the Daniel 9 peace agreement. And the Daniel 9 peace agreement, the one that we're doing on Tuesday, that we're signing on Tuesday, could very well turn into the Daniel 9 agreement overnight if someone strengthens it, adds a seven-year length to it, and the temple is allowed to be rebuilt. Listen, church, hear me. We are living in Bible times. We used to read about Moses and we used to read about Abraham and we used to read all of these stories to our kids, but we have somehow forgotten that the greatest, the greatest move of God happens in the final days. And you and I are living it, we're seeing it right now. Moments are connected. Do I believe Jesus is coming back soon? Yes. Yes. Sooner than I could articulate to you. Sooner than you and I could get on a plane and travel around the world, I believe Jesus is coming back. I believe it's soon. When Jesus comes back, the Bible makes it very clear that the church, you and I, we will be raptured, harpazo, that means caught up with force. In the, 1 Corinthians 15 says, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed from mortal to immortal. Hear me, church, I don't know, you know, I'm not suggesting that the rapture's happening this week, but I'm not asking God not to. I don't know when the rapture's, you know, uh, September 18th and 19th and 20th, Feast of Trumpets. And on that feast, every Jew knows that the last trump means 
the final trump blowing on that feast. During that two-day window, they blow the trumpet for a hundred times and the final one is longer than any other and it's known as the last trump. That's why I believe Jesus is coming back in September, not necessarily this September, but I believe that the window he will return in will be in September timeframe. So I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie to you. I got my eyes up. I got my heart right. I got clean hands and a pure heart, church. And I need you to know that you need to have clean hands and a pure heart today. And if he doesn't come back in 20 years, great. To live is Christ, to die is gain. But when he comes to be ready, you have to place your faith in him. I love what Leander said today. It's Jesus and nothing else. First Corinthians 15, one through four, you ask, what's the gospel? The gospel to Gentiles, which is us, was given to Paul. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, one through four, what the gospel is. And that gospel is that you must believe and put your faith in the fact that Jesus is the son of God. He died on a cross. He rose again on the third day. That is the gospel. It requires nothing else. It doesn't require you to have years of good service. It doesn't require you to tithe your money or to volunteer, though I wish there were extra rewards for people that would. There are. It's Jesus plus nothing. The church, listen. Whether you're in the room or you're watching online on our actual anniversary, or maybe you're watching this a week from now or two weeks from now, maybe you're watching this and millions of people have gone missing. I want you to know aliens did not take us. I want you to know that we did not all catch COVID and we were sent to camps to be incinerated. I want you to know that God made good on his word. And I also want you to know if you're watching this, sorry guys, stay with me for a moment because this is kind of important. If you're watching this and millions of people have gone missing, I want you to know something. The greatest revival this earth has ever seen is about to hit the world. You see, after the church is gone, you have an opportunity to still put your faith in Jesus Christ. And there will be a Joel 2 outpouring where the Holy Spirit will sweep this planet greater than happened on Acts chapter two, the day of Pentecost. And that's how God in the final seven years will bring people to himself because all of these crises uh, catastrophes will be going on, but the people of God, the new saints of God will be so empowered by the Holy Spirit that once again, the name of Jesus will be made famous. So put your faith in him. You'll close your eyes. Say, pastor, all this talk, you're kind of freaking me out. Well, for those who have their hope in Jesus, for those who have put their faith in Jesus, the end times aren't scary in the least. Timothy tells us that the Lord has not appointed you to wrath. Pastor, I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. I'm ready to put my faith into Jesus. I'm ready. If that's you, will you just wave at me? Wave your hand at me. 
if you're watching online today, thank you for that hand. Thank you. Thank you. If you're watching online today, if that's you, if you're ready to put your faith in Jesus Christ, and some of, some of you are saying, Pastor, you scared me so much, I want to just do it again. <laughs> my, word, my advice to you is you just don't need to. The first time took. The blood of Jesus is strong enough to wash away even your fear. But if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, it's not a formula. It's just a simple prayer. We admit that we're a sinner. We put our belief in Christ and we confess that he is Lord. So we do this. We say, Heavenly Father, church, repeat with me. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. I thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus. To die on a cross for me. To die on a cross for me. I believe that he rose from the grave. I believe that he rose from the grave. I believe that I can be his son or daughter. I believe that I can be his son. I say yes to you today. I say yes to you today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you just said yes to Jesus, yeah, come on. If you just said yes to Jesus, please text the word next, N-E-X-T, to 512-980-1220. We would love to connect with you on your next steps. God bless you guys.